Welcome to Lead Together, the podcast designed for Christian men and women striving to lead more effectively at home and work. The quality of your life and leadership depend on the quality of your relationships. And that's why we're here to guide you with practical leadership skills that will increase your impact in all your spheres of influence. We're your hosts, Nick and Kim Bogardis. Guess we're back. Here we are. (laughs) It's been a hot minute. And we thought this would be a great time to announce everything that's going on in our world. Mm -hmm. But before that. A few things. One, thanks for listening. This would be a good time to subscribe to the podcast. That'll keep you up to date as we put out new episodes. We've been doing a mixture of uh, topical episodes around things that we're passionate about. We're also doing a bunch of interviews with some really great people like David Zoll, Natalie Runyon, Harrison Scott Key. Chris Williams. Chris Williams. And some of our own content for leadership development, Mm -hmm. those episodes as well. So good mixture. I know we've put out a few interviews as of late. This will be more of our story for Mm -hmm. today. And more to come in leadership development. So, mm-hmm. so subscribe to that. Subscribe. The second thing you can do, we put out at the end of the year, every year, a uh, document that helps individuals or couples uh, reflect and plan. Reflect on the, the this year that you just lived through and mm-hmm. plan for the upcoming year. And sometimes we get that out a little later in the year. We're planning ahead this time. Thanks. My friend Chris Elliott called and was like, hey. <laughs> I, I need, need this document. Yes. So I was like, oh, yes, we need to get that up. So it's if you go to relationalleadership.co, relationalleadership.co, by the time this podcast is up, we should have that document ready. So if you are looking to set aside some time as a couple to reflect on 2023 and plan for 2024, this document could be a great tool. To it will take you some time. Yeah. But we do it personally every year, yeah. and it's great for us <clears throat> being able to reflect and mm-hmm. uh, set goals for the coming year. So that's right. Hope, so, it, hope it helps you as well. That's right. So subscribe, grab that doc, and then here we go. Here we go. We need Titus to do our drum roll. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Some of you may have already seen it because we posted a video this week of a goodbye we had to say, but the Bogartis Bears will now become winter bears. <laughs> we are moving to Michigan. Yes. We we are moving to Michigan in the next 10 two weeks, yeah, two weeks, 12 days, something yep. like that. Uh, it's all a blur, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I you do- haven't moved in a while, let me remind you, it's terrible. <laughs> Especially with three children and two animals. <laughs> there are a lot of logistics. Yes. But I, I took a job at Woodside Bible Church working with an old friend, Brad House, outside of Detroit in a city called Troy, and um, I'll be starting in December. And that's some pretty significant news for our family, given we've been here for 12 years? 12 years. We've 12 years. We've been Orange County for 12 um, years. This has been my home for all of my life, except for four years when we were in Mongolia and Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so this is a significant move for us. Uh, it's also a significant pivot back into ministry. Which is... A big deal for yeah. you. So we thought it'd be helpful uh, yeah. to do an episode for a few different reasons. The first is we just thought it'd be helpful to be honest about our process. I know we've you know gotten to talk to a good number of friends about this already, but I'm yeah. sure there's others who are, might have questions or curious about how yeah. we made this decision. So, hey, let's just be honest about it because we've been doing this podcast. It's a good channel for that. Let's do it. Do it all in one place. Yeah. yeah. Um, those of you who are listening, one certainty about life is that you will experience change, <laughs> right? 
That is just, it's going to Sound happen. Sound like the Grim Reaper coming. Well, I didn't say death and taxes. Yeah, I didn't oh say death and taxes. But, but change is certain, right? Yeah. And, and how do you navigate that change and make significant decisions? We thought just sharing the way that we walk through this could mm-hmm. be helpful for you. And, and we hope it is. And we uh, wanted to incorporate a lot of what we've been talking about and show you how we use it in real time. So I know we've shared here a lot about our values, our purpose, our vision. A lot of that comes into play with us making our decisions. And so thought it'd be helpful to show you how to put that into use. Now let's start with a caveat because this is super important. Uh Uh, This episode is a snapshot in time. Uh, It is November 17th, 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in the midst of this huge life change uh, for our family. We're on the actually kind of front end of it in a way. And at the moment it's filled with faith, Mm -hmm. but also grief Mm -hmm. and hope. Mm -hmm. And so anything we talk about today is a reflection of where we are at this moment and shouldn't be heard as definitive (laughs) of anything beyond that. (laughs) I just want to make sure that that we're clear about that because we're, we're just trying to capture this this moment um, and kind of what's led up to it. So please hear it in such a way and give us some grace in that. Whatever. It's just going to be good truth. What are you even talking about? All right, cool. (laughs) Fine. So our roadmap, (laughs) our roadmap, we're just going to look at three things. One, how did we get here? Two, how are we navigating it? And three, what's ahead? Yeah. So how'd we get here, Nick? Um, I'm making you my scapegoat for this whole thing. Yeah, way, this so. would be a little bit of a back and forth interview. I think it'd be helpful. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be a little bit of a helpful kind of back and forth. I think it's helpful to go back to the first quarter of 2021 mm. when thanks, COVID. <laughs> yes, when sadly we had to close Cross of Christ, and I kind of pivoted out of ministry into the marketplace. That was our church plan yes. that we had for eight, eight years. Eight years we led, yeah. and it was an absolutely beautiful, wonderful church mm-hmm. with a community of people that we love. And I can only say that the closure was due to, you know, circumstantially, you know, COVID and particularly all of the regulations in California and mm-hmm. the, the challenges of being a church plant in a high school, in a continuation con- high school. Yes, totally. It was very, very difficult. But I, I can just say the the prevailing feeling coming out of uh, of that season was heartbreak. Oh, I mean, so absolute worse. loss and, and devastating heartbreak. It felt like a death because it was. It was brutal. Yeah. And I pivoted into working for Subsplash, which is a company that does church tech. Which we were thankful for. Absolutely. I mean, it was, again, God's kindness and giving you a job that was like consulting work that turned into a full-time job That's after right. the church closed. That's right. So that was really nice. Yes. And that was a significant change. And I actually thought at that moment, at that time, I was like, actually, I think I'll work in the marketplace and be a lay elder at a church and that'll probably be just fine. Yeah. Um, And so did that for two years. It was like 18 months or something. What was that? Yeah. It was almost two years, years, which is the average um, lifespan of a (laughs) VP of marketing at a tech company, which is hard. And then that was in Q4 of... 2022. Yes, in Q4 of 2022, a year ago this week, actually, yeah. I was laid off. 30% of the marketing team and 10% of the company was laid off by Subsplash at the same time as, you All know, if you remember, it's also, yeah, it's helpful to remember this in its place in time. At the end of last year, there were t- tons of tech layoffs going on, like Google, Facebook, Atlassian, a bunch of other companies had laid off a, a, a bunch of people. But also, it was just people were very scared. The the, the cultural kind of temperature was yeah. was fear of a, a potential a recession. recession. Yeah. And so that's when I got laid off. 
And that was, man, that was brutal right before yeah, Christmas. Too, um, terrible. Yeah. And so from there, threw myself into building consulting business and yeah. applying for full-time marketplace jobs. That's right. Because right. again, the thought was, I'm just going to get a marketing business job. Yeah. Be Continue our side work business. Yep. Hopefully the two combined would yep. be good enough to support the family. Yep. We, ju- we dove in. I mean, at that point we had already gotten connected to our church down the road, mm-hmm. started building community, doing mm-hmm. things, you know, helping serve there in the church. So we thought, okay, that'll work. Yep. Little did we know that the year 2023 would be death by hustle. <laughs> so that, is that yeah, accurate? It was pretty good. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious what it was like for you when, when I came home or actually I wasn't, you were gone. I was gone. You called you me while heart, I was at I called work. you while you were yeah. at work and I told you the news that yeah. I'd been laid off. Well, yeah. I don't know. What was that like for you to hear as a wife? I mean, given the moment in time, I remember it not being a total shock, just where the company was at, where the economy, you know, how people felt about the economy, mm-hmm. all of that. It wasn't altogether surprising. And, you know, it was, you worked really hard at that job. So there was a part of me that thought, okay, I mean, this could be good. Maybe we'll have more margin as a family. We could continue to build our side business, which had done really well prior to taking the subsplash job. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, maybe that'll work out. But because of the fear of the economy, you know, that was actually a lot harder to build. But I think there was a part of me that felt a little bit of relief, to be honest, of like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe there'll be more family time. There'll be more margin, maybe a flexible schedule. We can figure it out. I thought it would maybe last a few months. Okay. (laughs) No one really hires before the new year, but come January, February, for sure. We have a lot of connections, incredible friends in places. Mm -hmm. I thought an opportunity would open sooner. So I was hopeful of like, all right, we'll just get through the end of the year. We can do that. Mm -hmm. Little did I know how awful 2023 would be. So I think I wasn't scared at that moment when you called me. Yeah. I think it, a little bit of shock, Mm -hmm. but hopeful that it would work out. Yeah. That didn't last very long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So probably in in February, yeah, my old friend Brad House, we worked together in at Mars Hill in Seattle. And mm-hmm. then he was a you know, pretty big part of planting Mars Hill in Orange County with me. Yeah. And he, with Cross of Christ because he Christ was at the same. Small groups. Uh-huh. Yeah. He did a lot of that training, was a part of the same network. Yeah. So he, and he was part of Harbor Network. Yeah, that's which, what I mean. Yeah, exactly. We Perfect. So he called and asked if I would help his company, Ministry Engine, with some consulting work there. And so I started doing that because yeah. obviously we needed clients. And so, yeah. Um, but what was interesting about that work, while I was a little, you know, I was excited to work with Brad and I was excited to, to have a, you know, a consulting client. Mm-hmm. I was also a little skeptical about working with churches again. I was like, I just don't know if I want to get back in the ministry space. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what was really cool in that work was getting to interact with a bunch of churches in the Midwest and the pastors were all genuinely kind and good dudes. And yeah. they work. Because I think it's fair to say, like, I, I would I would say some of the best leaders in my life that I've ever known were pastors. And mm-hmm. some of the worst leaders in my life I've ever known were pastors. So it feels like flipping a coin when you work yes, with them. Yes. And, and <laughs> you got to work, and we got to work with some really great guys who genuinely love Jesus, love yeah. the church, love their people. And, and God was doing really great things in their church. And so there was, there was a little bit of healing in that where I was like, oh, this is this is actually really good. I remember what Mm -hmm. it's like to work with these guys again. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was part of the story, but kind of, as I mentioned, I was also trying to apply to marketplace jobs. Yeah. 
Yeah, this was just side business, trying to keep us afloat, mm-hmm. stop the stop financial the bleed, yes. bleed as much as possible. Yep. Yeah. And Thank so, you, Red House, for keeping us alive. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I applied in 2023, I applied to easily, easily around 200, if not more, probably yeah. jobs. Which um, is insane because yeah. you did not get an interview until, until August. August. Yeah. Um, it so was, from November to August, mm-hmm. it was just crickets, silence. Crickets or rejection. Yeah. 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 Silence or rejection. Yeah, Both was, feel great. They dark. really help you totally. sleep at night. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hard. And, you know, even so uh, I even made a list of, and I'm so thankful for all of the friends who tried to get me work at their yeah. companies. Like, because that's what you typically think, right? Yes. How much do you hear that about? It's all about who you know mm-hmm. and... And your experience, and you're like, I have a ton of experience, mm-hmm. and I know all these people, and we still couldn't get a job. It was the most disorienting thing ever. So you yeah. did. You made a list, and it was like 30 people. Yes. And, that they, try, and God bless them. They hustled to I try mean, and get you work. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of all the different places. You know, Amazon, Block, <laughs> Microsoft, you know, actually different church and ministry jobs. Yeah, like, different ministry it jobs. It was just like closed door after closed door yeah. after closed door. and. My brother sent me a, a text a couple of weeks back with a, a graph from the Wall Street Journal that showed the job market over the mm-hmm. last few years. And he just said, basically, this helps you make sense of what you just experienced. 100%. And it's if you, if you picture in your mind a bell curve, 2020 and 2021 were at the peak of the bell curve in terms of hiring. Yeah. Like, just absolutely Everybody hot job money. markets. Yes, yeah. everyone had free money. Yes. And hiring was at its peak. And then 22 and 23 are absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, it just helped me go, okay, cool. It wasn't, I'm not alone. And I certainly saw that on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like I had, you know, I've had multiple, I had friends who were laid off multiple times in the last year. Yeah. I saw someone this last week who was laid off three times since COVID. Like it's, it, it's just a brutal job market, particularly in marketing and sales jobs. Like I, And especially when you're 44. And that was the other part of this is just realizing, oh man, okay, I'm 44. My last role was as VP and senior VP of marketing and leadership development. There's a ceiling there, a very real ceiling that I feel like I'm, I'm bumping up against. So mm-hmm. that was some of the challenge yeah. from, from 23. But again, thank you for all the people that vouched for Nick. Yeah. Particularly Brandon. Sweet, yeah, sweet. Yeah, Brandon Gatlin. Gatlin. Um, up at, he, he works at Block, uh, which is the, the company that does like the cash app and title and, yeah. and stuff like that. Just amazing. I We joke that Nick's on a list oh, at I'm Block on a list because there. he applied for so many yeah. jobs. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon referred me for so many jobs and I applied to so many and just got like, I just sent, I just forwarded him every rejection. <laughs> And it was, he was just, the, oh, he was the sweetest. Just the he just shared in the disappointment with me, yeah, um, uh, but awesome. he tried so hard and but we were, had, yeah. yeah, there were friends that gave our kids free summer camps. Thank mm-hmm. you, Vern. And mm-hmm. they took them to Universal Studios, blessed them with time with friends, gave us breaks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's undeniable to see God's provision yeah. and kindness through yes. community. And I think that's, I want to make a really, I want to say something really clearly there is because sometimes Christians can over-spiritualize things and be like, God always provides. And that is 100% true. Yeah. That is, he will always provide. But I want to make sure that we're really clear that he provides through people. Yeah. And our friends and our community yeah. provided immensely this last year. So And we're much. so thankful. Yeah. Um, Groceries. Dishwashers. Yeah, everything. Someone, someone dropped off a oh, dishwasher at we our We were on a walk. Door. Yeah. Yes. And we're like, of course the house starts falling apart when we don't have any income. And yeah. Just the sweetest people that step up in your time of need. That's what you need, you yeah. know? Yeah. Really sweet. So thank you guys. And um, at the same time, we were members at 
St. John's Lutheran mm-hmm. in Orange. It's a church I basically grew up at. My parents are at. We were married, we were married at. at. Our kids are baptized. Our kids are baptized at. Um, oh. I started preaching there. I was in the preaching rotation. And I was also teaching Sunday school there. And it was really, really sweet and really good. And I was, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to do that, that Pastor Tim and Trevor gave me there. Because sometimes I made this mistake. I think I made this mistake at Cross of Christ or Mars Hill when pastors would co- would come to the church and start attending and they wanted to get involved, especially if they came out of a hard situation like we did. I'd be like, well, hey, why don't you just sit down and recover for a little while? Take it easy and heal yeah. up. And it's like, a guy like me doesn't heal sitting down. Like, yeah. <laughs> I heal by doing and getting my hands in there and yeah. working shoulder to shoulder um, with friends. And so getting the chance to preach and teach again was actually the most healing and sweet way that God worked. Well, because that me. was, I mean, pastors are wired differently. There's some that are probably more theologically bent. There's some that are more people focused. Yeah. I think you read that line in the middle pretty well, mm-hmm. but let's be real. People can also be pretty draining and mm-hmm. that part, like not having to deal with that part and just getting to show up and do their marriage ministry, teach a Sunday school class, yep. but you primarily being in God's word again, studying, yep. writing, reading has always been a way that I think you fill your tank, mm-hmm. but that hadn't happened in a year and a half, yeah. right? Since yeah. Cross of Cross of Christ had closed. Yeah. And so that was the first time you got to do that again. Yeah. It was like watching you come back to life. There was some sort, in the midst of struggle, there was like a revival yeah. in your own heart of being recognizing how much you missed that particular part of ministry, yes. how fun it is for you to preach the word and contextualize it mm-hmm. for the people mm-hmm. in the congregation. So Yeah, it was it was that part of it. And I was also, I mean... I was doing that regularly at St. John's. And it was, again, just so sweet to teach Sunday school to a bunch of people who are over 60 years old. Yeah. Who were genuine, so gracious and so kind. And I don't know. It was just really good. So there, there was the function of ministry that I missed that was yeah. a real blessing to me. And I think God used that opportunity for a good amount of healing for me. But there was also just the content of what I was doing that yeah. was incredibly healing because we were preaching through the story of Joseph uh-huh. and Jonah mm-hmm. and just the reminders <laughs> of the way that God works. And you just see it throughout scripture, whether, you know, in, in Joseph, you, you read a few chapters and you get these really traumatic experiences that he has of being thrown in a well by his brothers, the people who should be protecting him and caring for him, right? Getting sold into slavery being, you know, not betrayed, but lied about by his boss's wife and thrown into prison. And like, there's these horrible things. And yet you see God's hand all through it. And it was just, honestly, a kind reminder to me that in the midst of loss of cross of Christ, in the midst of loss of the job, and in the midst of challenges, I'm not alone. God's still at work. There was a real kindness in in the content Mm -hmm. that was really healing as well. Yeah. But I think that also sparked in you, okay, I'm hitting all these walls looking at these marketing <laughs> jobs. What if I just, maybe this is what I've actually missed and maybe this is what I want to get back into. So then yes. there was a pivot from only looking for marketing positions yes. to ministry positions as well. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yes. In that period, there was there was the practical part of it, but there was also a heart piece of it of 
I was reminded, you know, like when the gospel really clicked for me back in my 20s, and I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus' words to Peter in Luke 22 has just always stuck with me about, you know, that Satan has asked to have him, but Jesus is going to pray. He's going to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. And when you turn, strengthen your brothers. And that, that instruction has always just kind of stuck with me. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to strengthen my brothers. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, thrice's song, Long Defeat, has always been Mm -hmm. like one that stuck with me and like just fighting to the end. (laughs) Like it's been like good. And then honestly, that was also just, again, in time, that was when when Tim Keller died. And I was like, man, the church isn't... (laughs) can help strengthen it in some way, you know, in some tiny way. Um, I just felt like that would, would be a good thing to give myself to. Yeah. So. Yeah. There you go. So that's what happened. That's what happened. How are we navigating this? <laughs> <laughs> that's the data. Yeah. Well, so how did you get the Michigan job? I mean. Well, I mean, Brad in his graciousness, <laughs> as far back as February, was like, hey, man, you want to come to Michigan? Um, I can get you a job up here. We're like, yeah, we're not that. Yeah, no I mean, way. We don't do cold. Yeah, we don't. But it's also <laughs> my, my parents are nine minutes away. Yeah. My brother's two hours to three hours north. Our our family and our, our friends are all here. So, yeah, yeah the, the thought of leaving was not on the table. Right. Leaving Orange County, leaving this home in Orange was absolutely not on the table. Yeah. And so we got to the point, actually, Pastor Trevor at St. John said it to me one way. He's like, hey, you know, Nick, you know, some people might think with 200 doors shut in their face, God was trying to tell them something. <laughs> and, um, one turkey's so long. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but, you know, even in that, in that positive desire of being more open to ministry again, yeah. once that was on the table, we knew we were probably going to have to move. And so I was, you know, I was interviewing at a job in Ventura at, yeah. a, at a, a church up there, one in Carlsbad. Yeah. And then, and we looked for local ones. Yes, we looked for local. Available. And yeah. well, those two were available. And that wasn't local. I mean, no. like not oh, requiring a move. Gotcha. Not requiring a move. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, we we started. I started, you know, in Orange <laughs> County, and then I moved out from there. Yeah. And then once I started looking at, at Carlsbad and Ventura, I was like, well, if we're gonna have to move this house, why don't I actually? And if I know it's something I did learn, Chris Williams helped me see this in the last season of our life. That like at my best, I do creative, meaningful work with friends. Yeah, I did that in music. I did that at Mars Hill. I did that at Cross of Christ. And if I could find a way to be in a situation like that again, then we could do that again. We'd probably really thrive. Yeah. And so I was like, oh well, let me open this door up with Brad. Yeah. And so Kim and I flew out to Michigan, looked at it, and we're like, oh, this actually is really good <laughs> like, uh, is it? a healthy happy church yeah. with strong kind staff yes oh gosh so we'll I remember being like oh yeah Uh-oh. with all exactly. our with all, <laughs> with all our values and vision we did not put a geographical location yeah, on this and right. god found a loophole and was like suckers mm, yep. <laughs> that's right so that's what led us to michigan yes. like that, that's the data so yeah. to part two of this how yeah. are we navigating this how are we navigating it? I think the prevailing feeling of the last year was dis- disorientation. Yeah. Just could. None of it made sense. Mm. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yes. <laughs> just like, how does yes. this not work? How do these connections not help us? How do these, yeah. uh, the, even the interviews that you did get, granted on our part, maybe this is, you know, we were blinded by something, but they felt like they were perfect fits. How would this not work out? And mm navigating the disappointment of some of those no's was really hard. And yeah, it just left us disoriented. Like 
it was not for lack of trying on your part. That's for sure. Yeah. And by disorientation, it comes from a biblical framework you see in the Psalms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So disorientation is when you're thrown off kilter, right? Mm -hmm. Like things, life gets shaken up. It doesn't make sense anymore. And that's, that's kind of how it felt. Like it, it felt like kind of like what Kim mentioned, like we're hitting obstacle after obstacle. Mm-hmm. Doors are not opening. What's happening here? And it felt really devaluing. You know, for, at 44, this is the longest in my professional life I'd not have a job. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and it felt really devaluing. Like I am not a stupid person and I am not a bad <laughs> wor- Like I am a highly competent, highly driven person. And, to not get traction was, it felt disorienting. It also, honestly, just devaluing. You know, again, for those of you familiar with the Enneagram, as someone who's a high three, who really kind of prides himself on what he can do, mm-hmm. being told no and being told what I do isn't good enough or not enough, interested, not interested mm-hmm. is incredibly devaluing. And yeah, that what brings in a sense of worthlessness or powerlessness, right? How else yeah. would you describe it? Like, it made me go, do you not see what I've done? <laughs> like, is that, I, I, I didn't, I was just at a loss, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, my track record is proven. My abilities are totally <laughs> valuable. And why, why does no one see this right now? Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But Alex is really helpful, right? Shout out to Alex early. Yep. Everyone needs an Alex early in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Early is, you know, a good pastor when you know, like, if I was dying, I'd want this guy to pray with me. And I, I love this dude. And he, he said, look, man, your disorientation is worship. And that was uh, reorienting for me yeah. <laughs> because it gave me permission to feel confused and disappointed mm-hmm. and frustrated and angry and sad and all those things. And to, to not avoid them right. and to actually use them as worship. You know, he pointed out in the Psalms, there's plenty of Psalms where the psalmist cries out, how long, O oh Lord, how long is this going to go on? Yeah. You know, and he just, re, he just reaffirmed in the midst of my disorientation, I hadn't given up that cry and I hadn't given up faith and I hadn't given myself over to, you know, cynicism or yeah. anger or right. anything. I, I had kept trying and um he he framed that as worship and i was that was freeing to me yeah um i think it helped strip down all that noise in your head too to just being able to see i'm not getting these answers to some of these prayers that we asked for but i can still see every little moment of provision that god's doing in the midst of it yeah and this sounds kind of maybe small or trite, but it's not. But when, when your income is pretty sparse, <laughs> any kind of provision is overwhelming. You know, like yeah. <clears throat> we, we've always prayed together before meals as a family. We always pray. We always thank God. Mm-hmm. In this last year, every prayer before every meal, I don't know if you noticed this, but I was always like, thank you for this food. Yeah. <laughs> like That's all it was. This meal counts. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. It was thank you for this thing right here. And so there was this very particular gratitude for the tiniest of things that I mean we do look back and think, how 
in the world did he sustain us for this long on so little? Like, it really does feel like a miracle. And again, a lot of that was due to other people's generosity and God putting it on their hearts to be kind um, to us. So, yeah, you can see that. But we do look back down and be like, how in the world did we make it that long before getting a yes? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think another big part of it was, in terms of navigating it, was reminding ourselves of our own story. Um, <laughs> what we, what we, I think a mistake that we had made for a majority of the year was thinking back through our story of Mongolia to, well, actually, out of music to Mongolia uh-huh. to Seattle uh-huh. to Mars Hill, Orange County to Cross of Christ. I think we were remembering it as divinely led in a, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Like <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't know, puppies and rainbows kind of way. Like, yeah. I mean, that happens a lot right <clears throat> in life when you look back where yeah. you, we had idealized it. Maybe is that, a, is yes, that the word I'm looking that's for? The yeah. word. Yeah. We had idealized some of the scenarios or maybe mm-hmm. only remembered, which maybe God just helps us do that in our memories when we reflect back and we only seen the good and we could see the provision in, it was clear that God only opened particular doors. And that's, that's, what, that's what we had forgotten and that we had to remember, exactly, yeah. was that in all of those transitions, it wasn't necessarily some sign that we were given. Actually, it was... A, there was in Mongolia. In Mongolia, there was yes. one. There was one that got us over there. But beyond that, going to Seattle was because a door closed to go to Florida to seminary yes. out there. And, and we it, got pregnant and the Peace Corps and got, got kicked out. And the Peace Corps got Medically kicked separated. Out. We were medically separated. Yeah. We were not kicked out. <laughs> okay, government, I hear you. We did we did fine. Yes. And then a door opened in Seattle. So we yeah. took that open door. And then the to plant Orange County, the Marshall Orange County. Like we thought we'd be there. We'd love to be in Seattle for another two years. Yeah. And then Mark Driscoll just dropped Mark that bomb said, on "Yes, you. no, you're going to go now." <laughs> yes, and and so that ejected us out in a time frame we weren't ready for. Right, and then transitioning from Mars Hill to Cross of Christ again, some of those doors closed just by the culture of the church and yes. what was going on internally, Government. and we had to take this option of planting Cross of Christ, and mm-hmm. then that closed because those doors closed around COVID, like we mentioned yeah. there. And the there door... were these other outside circumstances that caused yes. us to make a transition yes. that we weren't necessarily ready for. Yes. Though the difference in this situation, so there is still a difference in this particular scenario, mm-hmm. similar thing where it feels like outside circumstances forcing you on a different path. Mm-hmm. They just never took this long. Yes. They were actually, all of those were more rapid. That's true. And That's true. disorienting in their own way because they were happening so quickly and we just had to pivot but they weren't the original plans yeah. minus me. Yeah. Going to Mongolia. That was yeah. a plan. But yeah. so that was interesting of like, we had looked back on those things with and forgot a particular part of it. Yeah. And so we had to remind ourselves of that story. So it, I think the reflection is really helpful, but it took us a solid six months to actually see that reflection rightly and make a connection to what we were doing here, mm-hmm. which then freed me to go shut doors are fine. Just hammer on every single door in this hallway you can. Yeah. And God just see will, what God does. Yes. Yeah. And so that was how it was a helpful reframing of those circumstances, but also a helpful reminder that that's how he's always worked. That's how God's always worked in our life. Yeah. And it'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And we should be a remembering people. Mm-hmm. God talks about that time and time again in scripture. Remember this. Remember how God did this. Remember this. And mm-hmm. being able to recall the countless ways that he's worked before allows you to sit in the now, but not yet mm-hmm. a little more easily. And we tried to involve our kids the same way, right? Mm-hmm. 
They've prayed with us. We tried to remind them of the story, different things they experienced. Mm-hmm. The hard thing being the only transition they remember would be the closing of cross of Christ. When there's been so many that you and I have experienced together, they yes. weren't old enough to really grasp or have an opinion on it. Yeah. <laughs> so that this has been different in that way for sure. But yeah, I mean, they've prayed with us every single day yeah. for the last year for a yeah. job. Eva even wrote letters, you guys. One of them didn't get mailed, but (laughs) president of Biola, there is a tearjerker letter in our our bedroom that we didn't let her mail, but it was the most beautiful, heartbreaking thing you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was good. We we have... Can I tell the story real quick of that financial company I interviewed at? (laughs) Because at least there's a funny story that came out of that. Oh, that's scary. Oh, yeah. We should not tell. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll tell it another. I'll tell it another time, in person, if you ever ask. Yes, but we did try and involve them the whole way. Yes, we didn't want anything that we did to be a shock to them. So that was part of our processing was actually involving our children, and we wanted them to see the answer to the prayer. Yeah, like I wanted them to to. We knew at their ages now, you know, now thirteen, eleven, mm-hmm. and nine, they would be old enough to remember this, mm-hmm. and. While kind of what Kim mentioned, while they had not experienced the transitions that Kim and I have gone through, this would be the first one that really would be formative for them. So how can we bring them into that? Yeah. Um, And we did that using what we talked to you guys about, our self-awareness. Who are we as a family? How has God wired us? What are things that we care about? What are our values? What do we think our purpose is for a family? What are goals that we have mm -hmm. as a team, you know, to accomplish? and. And yeah, we're doing that through their story and God's faithfulness in each chapter. Yeah. So, I mean, we even went back and like looked at our family yeah, vision, family values, values, purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so even in making this decision, part of the, the pivot from marketplace into back into ministry was connected to who we are as a family, mm-hmm. because for us, our values as a family. like So Kim and I, for our values as a couple, are to live a wholehearted life shaped by the gospel, mm-hmm. to have a greater impact by working together, mm-hmm. keeping the table central, mm-hmm. and being effective and particular. Yeah. Like, yeah. And Again, we didn't put a place on that. That's on us. <laughs> well, I think that's what, what, as I go through this, that's what you'll see is like, actually, these are these can be done in many, different, many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The values is a family, love, serve, create, protect. And so how do we, how does this decision line up with that? The purpose, our purpose as a family, to influence our church, neighbors, and friends towards love and wholeness. Mm -hmm. This lines up with that. I mean, it's again, like uh, the vision for the family will be a family that passes on the faith to the next generation and impacts the lives of thousands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when we looked at this particular position and went yeah. to that church, yes. we had to ask ourselves, do we think we can do this here? And it was a resounding yes. Yeah. This this feels like a place that we could probably do it with a lot of freedom and a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. How do you turn that down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what we did. Tried to reorient the kids back to those things, remind them of what we believe as a family granted that also means we're walking with them through emotions. Cause you know, we told them, I mean, they, they knew we were going out there to, you know, Nick for Nick to interview. We processed with them when we got home, told them that we were praying about it. We'll see. There were still a few other things, 
you know, things on the table that we kind of walk through with them and they just watch these doors close and that decision become so clear that this was God's hand moving in this direction. Mm -hmm. And that meant for us as parents, walking them through their own emotions and take this phrase for what you want. We just kept telling the kids over and over, Hey, there is room for everyone's emotions here because <laughs> we're all going to feel different things yeah. and we'll probably feel them at different times and not to get mad. Cause they would start to argue. You know, one of the kids was kind of excited because a lot of her friends are leaving our little hybrid program next year anyway. So she was like, great, fine. They're all leaving anyway. Who am I staying here for? And but that wasn't sure of the other two who are going to have a harder time saying goodbye to their friends. And so they would start to argue over what they were feeling. And so we just kept reminding them of that. Hey, there, there is room for everyone's emotions here. And there's room to hold that at different time. And mommy and daddy can do that with you. And we'll be feeling different, you know, different things at different points. But of course, also putting a caveat on that, which I did say, there is room for everyone's emotions. There's not room for disrespect because with teenagers that does come out and there was some very audible sighs and eye rolls that we had to rein in. So that has become our new phrase or in addition to that statement, but reminding them of that. And I think the other thing with the kids was being able to do goodbyes as well as we can. And for me, well, of being in task mode. Well, real quick on the emotions. Yeah. I think, you know, even you and I... Uh, we just continually are checking in on how how are one another doing. Yeah. And even we were just talking, I don't know, maybe last week or something, mm-hmm. where I was saying we're probably going to flip-flop in where we yeah. are right now. Like I've been in deep grief mode a little mm-hmm. bit of having to say goodbye to my home and yeah. f- you know, family and, and good friends. And Kim has been in hardcore head down task mode. <laughs> it's been like a bulldozer. Uh, just, okay, when your husband throws his bag out and you're trying to true. pack, you just got to get it I done. I did throw my bag out twice in the last month. <laughs> Nick packed his first box yesterday. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> that is an exaggeration, but uh, there you go. So I was laughing. I was like, we're, we're going to flip flop. Like, yeah. I think Kim will hit the grief. In this last week coming up, probably. And no, for sure. After heart. I think that yeah, was the first time. Yeah, yeah. Nick walked into the bedroom and I'm crying so hard that I can't breathe while listening to Judah and the Lion on repeat. And I had run out of tissues. So I started using the tissue paper that was in the gifts that all the kids had given me. And he was like, oh my, are you okay? <laughs> I was not okay. I know. Yeah. So yes, we flip-flopped at different times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so I'll probably go into task mode, particularly as we transition over there. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you go you go into work mode, and then I'll be the one unpacking the boxes at home, sobbing over the pictures and yeah, yeah. the things and trying to find space yeah. in the rental and all that. So just trying to be honest with each other, patient yeah. with each other, and I don't know, I don't know, supportive, for lack of a better word, of yeah. like kind of where we are. All while, I think what we try to do with the kids also is just remind them in every stage, God has been good to this family. He's been yeah. good with us. Had we stayed in Mongolia, we would have never met the lifelong friends we have in Seattle. Yeah. Had we stayed in Seattle, we'd not have met the lifelong friends we have in Orange County yeah. and had the experiences we've had here. Yeah. There are similar things ahead. Yeah. God has always proven himself as faithful and good to us. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that, that's really hard for them. And it's even hard for us. It's hard because we can't, oh, yeah. we can't picture it. We don't know what it's going to look. It's standing in front of the Red Sea being like, how are you going to make a way here? Yeah. What's, but it's looking back and reminding ourselves he's always been good. Yeah. He'll be good. Even if you can't see what it is right now, 
That's right. Yeah. But also teaching them to do goodbye as well. Yes. I don't think we do that as a culture extremely well. You'll even hear this of, it's not goodbye, it's see you later, which is probably true for some of our friends, right? We will see them again, definitely see your family again. But it is a goodbye in terms of that relationship as we know it will not continue the way that it has Mm -hmm. for this amount of time, for this foreseeable future. That relationship will not exist as it has. And there is a goodbye. There, There is an end to how we have functioned together with these people. And so being able to do that well and make time for that, because yes, being in task mode, I want to just pack the heck out of this house and just get things done. But being able to carve out time in our schedule and our calendar to make sure that these kids get their last play dates, they get time with their friends. We get to say goodbye and do that really well. So that's another big piece of it. Actually saying those goodbyes, letting it be a a goodbye. I think the heart thing this week was powerful. Oh, man. Yeah, I think Molly and the team there did a really, really sweet job of sending you and the kids off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, and that is a hard thing is our kids have not had peers like they did at heart. Mm -hmm. That was a huge answer to prayer. I mean, we've been homeschooling six years and believe that that was... Absolutely the best thing for our family, but heart in particular was an answer prayer of giving them friendships and peers that they hadn't had before. That was really sweet. Mm-hmm. And teachers that love them like their own kids, you know, they prayed over all the kids in their classroom to send them out, which is just so sweet. Did a clap out the whole school, kids with posters and flowers and mm-hmm. the whole works to just honor our children and me as a staff member, it was just the most awful goodbye, <laughs> but also one of the most beautiful, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Tons of love. Yeah. 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 And for me watching that, it was, I was proud that it was so honoring of you and the kids. Cause that's been your domain. You know, that's not been, yeah. I've not been a part of that really. Yeah. But it's probably been the best job I've ever had. And that's a hard goodbye. It is a hard goodbye. And it was, but it was sweet to watch that, um, to see them thank you and the impact you've had on them was really, really sweet. And then internally for me, I'm going, oh my gosh, (laughs) am I doing the wrong thing? Is this, is this the the right, and then you're going back to the self-awareness piece, like even that kind of what Sam was saying last night when we were talking to her, that's the question, how I'm wired. Yeah. This is black. Like, is this the right or the wrong decision? Nick has asked me that question so many times, you guys. And I'm like, it's not a right or wrong. There it is. It is the decision. And it's where God is leading. This is the door. And then you're like, okay, but is it the right door? Yes. (laughs) It's the door that God opened and that he's in. Yeah. Okay. Walk. (laughs) Okay. That's that's right. But I want to reduce it to right or wrong. Because I think like, because then I think you think, I think the temptation for me is, if I think it's the right answer, then I feel safe or justified or there's a sense of security in it rather than just going like, no, it's the, it's the door. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's less security and less. Yeah. Uh, anyway. But more opportunity for faith and. Yes. Yes. 
less opportunity for comparison because I know that we don't want that. And that was really helpful. A friend of mine was telling the kids about her transition. She grew up in South Africa and when her husband said he wanted to come to the States and be a pastor, she was like, I do not want to go to America and spent a good amount of time comparing. Like it won't be, America will not be like the home I had. And she said, God had to make her pivot and say, you can't compare. They're just different and there's good and bad in both places, but I've called you to this place. So be in this place without looking back. And so she was, encouraging our children to do the same. And it was really helpful to hear that perspective. I think that's good. It actually reminds me when we first got married and we kind of had that, those challenges with my group of friends that I've been friends with for a decade. Remember? And you said something like, if you keep comparing me to them by the length of time, I'll never win. Yeah. And so there, yeah, there's, there's a unfairness in trying to compare. That's right. And an unreality. But anyway. So that brings me to my other thing. Yeah. Uh, that I wanted to talk about, which is I remember doing my training at the Townsend Institute for leadership development. And there are different character models for growth. And some people, you know, people struggle with different ones. Some people have a hard time with boundaries. And so when you're walking a leader through that, helping them see how they can grow in that, some people struggle with making, you know, friendships or relationships or finding peers or mentors because they don't want to be vulnerable for me, I mean, those were easy, but I got, I always get tripped up on the character growth of integration, which is holding the good and bad in proper tension and letting one not outweigh the other. I mean, there are moments obviously where the grief can be overwhelming and, or there's high points in life where things just feel right. But in moments like this, where there's not a right or wrong, being able to hold my grief and my sadness in proper tension or balance with the goodness of God providing and going to a new place. And that's really hard. <laughs> that's a really hard thing and trying to do that for the kids as well. Yeah. Well, that's good. So like where I'm inclined to go, is it right or wrong? You are inclined to kind of catastrophize it. Like yes. It's either all or nothing. Yep, kind that's of, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good way to summarize. Yeah. I mean, I think also just practically, I've tried to do daddy dates with each of the kids, take yeah. them to Hopper and Burr, our favorite coffee shop that we love. <laughs> Get a little, read the temperature of the room. How are they doing? How can we help them? What do they need? Yeah. Asking those questions in a one-on-one setting. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sweet doing that with Eva because, oh, what did she say? You know, she just shared that she was sad. Yeah. And then she said, but I trust you guys. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh. Don't screw this Totally. Exactly. <laughs> This is why we say don't save for college, just save for counseling. Yeah. And it was just sweet that she was holding the grief with the trust. Yeah. And that was real sweet. Such a good big kid. This is the same kid that told me today on our watch that I just don't want to grow up. I'm like, (laughs) so what's scary about growing up? She's like, it's just so nice being a kid. (laughs) She's right. There's good stuff in there. That's funny. So Uh, in closing last week, what's ahead? Yeah. Well, what's ahead that I'm excited about is, you know, being in a position again to do creative, meaningful work with friends. Uh, I'm excited to work with Brad again. I really loved working with him. Um, Have always loved working with him. Uh, We've been doing a lot of consulting work in the last year together, and that's just been super fun to do. I'm excited for this executive pastor role. I mean, 
it's a big church. Woodside's about 10,000 people. They have 14 campuses. I'm going to be the executive pastor of their largest campus. You know, it's a few thousand people. It's a staff of 90 people that I'll be responsible for leading and developing. And mm. I love that. Like, that's just, I think it's my wheelhouse. I'm good at it. People that, <laughs> people that I've led, you know, seem to give me good feedback that I do that well. And like, I love that. And I, I get to do that in a really good church with a friend. And that's, the whole staff has just been the sweetest. Oh my gosh. Guys. Yeah. I mean, I am looking forward to that. Being in a place where there's like-minded, good-hearted people that share similar values. I mean, I just got to share my Hillbilly Brothers advice because when we told him about the move, he told me, I was like, this is so hard, Sean. And he said, well, Kimmy. Ain't nothing harder than trying to love Jesus and raise children in California. (laughs) And I thought, that's the best truth I've heard in a long time. And you're like, you are absolutely right. So it just reordered Mm -hmm. us to that, but getting to go out there and see, like, there's so many things that we have been swimming upstream in this culture of this place. And God has been amazing in providing a community of like-minded people, but having that be the general norm for people in Michigan sounds amazing. And like people at church are happy and sweet and kind and so welcoming and so trusting. And it'll be fun to watch you then turn you loose. They seem very put together and the church has been around a very long time. So going into something that's established also feels new and exciting because mm-hmm. we've been on the front end of starting that. And so getting to right. watch good. you just be turned loose with your gifts in something that's established and a little more secure than what we've done sounds exciting. I mean, uh, totally. It'll be that's great right. to watch you do that again, to watch you be excited and operate out of your strengths. Yeah. It's good. And you know, they have a, a really healthy staff culture. I mean, these are kind of things that we were looking at. We made a list of what were the things we'd want to see yeah. if we were going to make this. And that was, Oh, when we went out there, to we visit. went out there. to yeah, visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one was like the great leadership team. Like we did like just my time with the executive team was just really positive, man. It was, it's again, sometimes you meet with, with church eldership teams or executive teams. And there's yeah. always the one guy that's that a little weird or, like, yeah, or, elder or there's a, question. or there's some kind of culture performance or yeah. something. There's just something about it. That's like, and like, these guys are just solid, good Jesus loving dudes. And yeah. it was, that was really encouraging. And then the healthy staff culture, mm-hmm. like they have on staff, they have a, they, a licensed marriage and family therapist that's just there for staff care. Mm. So if someone on the staff needs to talk to a counselor about something they're having with a problem they're having with their boss or just in their family, there's someone there who can do that. And Mm. that just is indicative of me of a really healthy culture. They put their money where their mouth is to have someone on staff to do that. And I think we're excited about, you know, it's a larger church. And so there's a lot of opportunities for the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've never done that. They've always been the oldest ones in kids ministry when we were planning churches, (laughs) you know, which is, and we just, as church plants, didn't have programming for that no. you know, capacity for the children to do. Yeah. The really robust youth groups. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, really so. cool. And global stuff for me. I yes. mean, that's one tension our marriage. We could talk about that in a different episode of things that you're passionate about and what that looks like as a husband and wife, if those don't necessarily align, you know, for me with... Kim's like, I want to go to this country. I'm like, oh, let me pull the global security report on that real quick before we go. <laughs> so I just love people and cultures and different languages. I find it absolutely fascinating. I could do that mm-hmm. forever of just watching them and trying mm-hmm. to integrate. And 
adapt to their way of life. I, I love that. I mean, yeah. hence the Peace Corps. That was the path I wanted to take. And then God threw me a husband. And so we've been, <laughs> God threw me a husband. <laughs> we've been, I was going to mother Teresa my life around the world. Yeah. And then Nick Bogart is heaven. No, uh, this but dead weight over here. <laughs> Best ball and chain I ever got. No, I just kidding. <laughs> but being a part of a church that has access to that or room for that, which will be really no. Fun. I mean, I, when I sat down with the HR director, she handed me a pamphlet of fifty missions trips yes. they're doing. It was for like thirty, but yes, it was it's insane. insane. And in the past year, you know, I mean, just as an example, Brad took his daughter to Nepal to go do human trafficking work together. He just took his oldest son to Ghana to do Bible translation work together yeah, and stuff. Super cool. And just thinking about wow. Well, That'd be so fun to do with the kids. Yeah. Help them serve some people around yeah. the world and see different parts of it. Because they don't know struggle in Orange County. We'll <laughs> show them what that looks like. So just kidding. So we're excited but about yes. all that. I mean, there's, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to look forward to. Yeah. We know we'll go through those different seasons of transition, which is honeymoon phase into... Yeah. What's the second one? I'm uh, blanking. So this comes from my friend who is does the U.S. aid. Uh, so anytime there's a disaster... He delivers humanitarian aid around the world, and he's been doing that for his whole life, basically. And when we went to Mongolia, he said, hey, Nick, there's a few phases you're going to go through. And that's what Kim's referring to. And we found them to be true in every transition we've made. The first phase is the honeymoon phase, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, 30 to 60 days or whatever. Everything's awesome. You know, you're this is so fun. Taking selfies, you're new. taking selfies everywhere, and it's, like it's just the best thing ever. Yeah. And then after the honeymoon phase, you know, again, probably around 60 days to. No, no, no. another few months. months. Yeah, yeah. Like six to seven months. You're just mad because <laughs> all you see is everything that's wrong with the place where you are. Why do they drive like this? Why do they eat like this? Why do they like? Why do they talk like? All you're you, comparing, you're right, comparing to what you knew and what you, and what you enjoyed. Yes, yes, you're very frustrated with with the whole situation. Yes, and then around month eight or so, you start asking questions and. Maybe you develop you become some, curious. Yes, mm-hmm. you, you develop some friendships. You start being curious, and you start to understand the history of that place. Yes. Why are they like this? Yeah. What what's are these, meaningful? Yeah. What are these people like? What do they love? What are, What's good about this? Yeah. And then by around a year, yeah, you, you find, find your, your place. place in it. Yeah. And we've seen that true when, when we were in Mongolia, when we moved to Seattle, and even when we moved back to my home in Orange County. Orange County. We, took we went the through longest those. It did me, take the longest. Honestly. Yeah. But you see that also in transitions of marriage, adding a kid to the family, all those things where different parts of your life, it takes a while to acclimate to what's new. And so expecting that, knowing that Mm -hmm. God's hilarious timing of doing that when we moved to Michigan in the bleak midwinter. So our honeymoon phase will be real sweet because there's reindeer farms and my kid is praying for a white Christmas because she's only seen that in the movies. Mm-hmm. And then come February, it'll line up perfectly with those 90 days. And we'll be like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Why are there always ice storms? I don't know. It'll be interesting yeah, yeah. Um, adapting to those things and then hopefully finding our place. So yeah. we're looking forward to that. Excited for what's to come. Hopeful in the midst of grief. Yeah. Trying to walk that out together as best we can. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I know that's a long one. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. We can point people here instead of retelling this story over and over. Yeah. So. This will be a good way, honestly, to keep up with us. We'll probably tell, you know, just kind of give updates here and there as we do episodes in the future. Uh, obviously, social media is a good place to follow us as well. Yeah. In the meantime, you can submit a question for us. We would love to do another Q&A episode. We've only done one of those. So submit a question at relationalleadership.co forward slash lead together. 
You can support this podcast on Patreon. There'll be a link in the show notes for you. Take the relational Enneagram report to give you insight and language to your strengths and weaknesses relationally. Go to relationalenneagram.com. And also if you need coaching, go to relationalleadership.co and look at that that we have to offer. Yeah. Till yeah. next time. Here we go. <laughs> Bring on the boxes. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast by taking the Relational Enneagram. Many Enneagram tests are inaccurate, unhelpful, unclear, or just plain ugly. The Relational Enneagram gives you accurate, helpful, and beautiful Enneagram reports to help you and those you work with grow into the best versions of themselves. It is the first Enneagram platform designed for the helping professions, designed with a centralized dashboard to store and organize all of your reports, discount and event codes to manage different clients or programs, and creates an added income stream for your counseling practice, church, or coaching business. Visit relationalenneagram.com to take the test or sign up today.